I'm Alyssa. Welcome to Strange History, the podcast where we talk about, you guessed it, strange history. This will start our first episode for our Halloween special, which we'll be covering over the next four episodes, where we will be switching from mythological creatures with body counts to men, or women, who can be regarded as monsters in their own right. We don't usually cover monsters or cryptids on this podcast, so this is new territory for us. And this will only be during the Halloween special, so don't get used to this. Today we're going to talk about our first monster, at least in an ancient sense. In modern times, I'm not really sure if they would have been classified as monsters or beasts or creatures or anything like that. And with stuff like this, there's always that fine line of myths and legends and history. What do you call it? Pseudo-history? Pseudo-history. Uh, this is what so many people have believed in. It's taking what other people have written and going from there. Pretty much. Yeah. And our story today is actually going to be the oldest thing that we've ever covered in this podcast. We're going to be moving back to ancient Greece long, long before I did that first episode about Leonidas and his 300 Spartans. This is like super back. This is way back, like super ancient Greece. Episode 33, Venomous Women. The word Gorgon roughly translates to terrible, but there are many other variations of this word. Gorgnem, Gorgonian, which is a representation of an artwork of a Gorgon's head. Gorgonia, which is someone who's been petrified by a Gorgon, and Gorgonized, which is the act of petrifying someone. And then lastly, we have uh, Garonian, which is the resemblance of a Gorgon. So not a Gorgon, but the resemblance of one. Originally, Homer, a Greek poet, only spoke of one single Gorgon. But later on, Hesoid, another Greek poet, wrote about three. And this is where I don't speak. Sethno. Sethno, the mighty. Uriel. Sure, the far springer, and the most famous, Medusa, the queen. Hesoid made them daughters of the sea god Phorcys mm -hmm. and his sister wife, Keto. Mm. <laughs> Alabama. Others say that Gorgons were a monster produced by Gaia, which is essentially Mother Earth, to help her sons go against the gods. But another source says that they were the daughters of. Echidna mm -hmm. and Typhon. Mm -hmm. Ty yeah, Typhon. 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 Uh, who are mother and father of all monsters, though some say that only Sethno and Uriel were their daughters, not Medusa. Mm -hmm. So who knows <laughs> where a, they came from? It's a very confusing family tree. Apparently everywhere. And that's okay, because the ancient Greece had really no idea what a family tree was. No, they just... Did. Yeah. Everything, really. Originally, Gorgons were depicted as ugly with large wings, sharp fangs, they were scaly, and had claws. Their hair is made up of venomous snakes, and a single gaze can turn a man to stone. And I think it's only men. Mm -mm. No? It's all living creatures. Oh, okay. Yes. In one of the many Medusa stories that I found, 
she could turn everything, every living creature, including gods, to stone. And that included animals, cows, people, everything. Later on, the Romans described Gorgons as beautiful, and Sethno and Uriel were immortal while Medusa was mortal. Which, I don't know why she had to be so, like, wildly different. But go well, on, I not? guess. Um, and I want to talk about each sister, because everybody knows about Medusa, which we'll get there. Because what you know may or may not be wrong. So I want to talk about the other sisters first. So Sethno, the eldest daughter, um, like I mentioned before, was either the daughter of Quito and Phorcys, or Typhon and... I can't, I can't say it again. I can't remember how to say that first name. Kaitna. Kaitna. Regardless, she was born in the caverns beneath Mount Olympus, being born immortal. She lived in the Western Ocean on the island of Cisthene with her sisters, although some say she lived in the underworld. The Ireland? What? You said the Ireland. The Iceland. The island. Iceland. The island. The Ireland, Iceland, Island. I'm going through a lot today. I feel like <laughs> I should get a pass. You get one pass. No, I get uh, just an overarching Okay, fine, pass, so. fine. You can mess up as many names as you want. Thank you. She was known as the most independent and ferocious, and she killed more men than her, both of her sisters combined. Call back to the fact that some of these creatures have massively high body counts and not always in the fun way. Uh, in Roman mythology, she was actually transformed into a Gorgon, not born into one, by Minerva, but other sources say it was Athena who did it. My cat? Yeah, your cat. Okay, I, I believe that. She was allegedly inspired by the cuttlefish, which are very known for their strength, but no one knows if that's true or not. I didn't know cuttlefish were strong. I, I didn't either. I just thought they were ugly. No. No? I think you're thinking of a different fish. I'm, I, I might be thinking of a different fish. I don't know my fish. Maybe I just don't think all fish are ugly. Um. Yeah. Sure. They're not that ugly. They're kind of cute. They're like little baby. They're like little octopuses. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, they're getting cuter. Okay. Sit I'll... here and tell me cuttlefish are ugly. Continue with your tail. They're... That's it. She's strong and independent, mm -hmm. but because of how important Medusa becomes in mythology, I suppose, or just how like more prominent her story becomes, both of her sisters sort of get shoved into a minor character role. Um, so she's sort of outshined by her younger sister. And I wrote at the end of that, yes, I have siblings, can you tell? <laughs> but I am a younger sister slash older sister. I'm right there in the middle, so. Oh, you're the middle child that everyone forgets no, about? there's four, so there's not really a middle. I mean, there's still be a middle. I'm the favorite. I like the hair flip. Thank you. <laughs> so the next I can talk about Uriel. Uriel? I wouldn't know how you would say that. I uh, don't think it would be Uriel. Okay, so Uriel. Let's go with Uriel. She was known as the Far Springer or Far Roamer. She could just go distances, I guess. I don't know. She traveled a lot. Because mom didn't care about her because she was the middle child. Yes, she was very much the middle child. Again, same 
situation where we have it's either keto and forces or typhon and echidna she was born immortal she's very known for her bellowing cries because after what happened to medusa in some of the stories she was there and she was so like distraught with grief and anguish that her cries literally crumbled stone that's terrifying mm-hmm and that's, uh... That's all you have for her? Yep, she's a middle child, so there's... Not a lot. No, not a, not not a lot. lot. And then at the end, we obviously get to Medusa, the queen, the youngest. She's the most famous of all the Goleron sisters. She was born beautiful, but she was very feared, but also very sought after. Would you like to talk more about Medusa? Because that's literally all I have. I will absolutely talk more about Medusa. You're listening to Mama Murdered a Podcast. I'm your host, A.B. Mama Murdered a Podcast is a podcast where me, the mama, will be killing it on the podcast. We're taking a deep dive into things that are hard to talk about and even harder to believe that these things actually happen in the world that we live in. This entire podcast will be a trigger warning. I'll be talking about triggering topics while I dive headfirst into a lot of the cases that I'll be covering. New episodes will be released every week on Wednesdays because... Well, because nobody likes Mondays and because Fridays are for day drinking and barbecues. Some of the case topics will be murder, of course, serial killers like Dennis Rader, the BTK killer, missing persons cases like five-year-old Summer Wells who vanished from her own yard in broad daylight in the middle of June in Tennessee in 2021, and especially the ones where it kind of seems like they just vanished into thin air, like Brian Schaefer. He walked into a bar, but he never walked out. He's still never been seen again. I'll also be covering cold cases and lesser-known cases. Join me every Wednesday to talk about all things tragic, murder, and things that happen in the down right ugliest sides of society if you like what you hear and you want to support the podcast you can rate me on spotify you can also leave a review and rating on apple podcast you can follow me on twitter and instagram at murdered underscore mama all these things are free and they only take about a second to do and it really does help grow the podcast if you have any case suggestions please send them my way you can send them to the email address mama murdered a podcast at gmail.com now There are many different retellings of the Medusa story, each one ending in pretty much the same way, with a man named Perseus killing the only mortal Gorgon. I'll discuss both of these stories today, as well as why each would occur in the way that it did. The most common telling of the Medusa mythos would open on a girl. Medusa was beautiful, stunning, and incredibly distracting. She was the single most beautiful woman in the land, even being able to rival the gods with her sheer level of hotness. Ew, I don't like that you <laughs> said the word hotness. One thing this origin story focuses on is her hair. It's the fairest and most beautiful of hair in the entire world. The Greeks were jealous beings, of course, so a woman so beautiful would not go long without being seen. Before the gods of Olympus could lay eyes on her, she would draw the attention of many humans, often in the temple to Athena in which she prayed daily. It was here that she was first noticed by the sea god Poseidon. Poseidon desired this beautiful woman, and according to some sources, he would seduce her right there in the temple. Other sources would suggest he was less kind and took after his brother Zeus. We're going to leave that at that. Athena, goddess of war, would be outraged at the defiling of her temple and would cast blame on Medusa. 
stripping her of her beautiful hair and cursing her with a crown of snakes. Not satisfied with just this punishment, Athena would also curse Medusa with the baddest case of resting bitch face in the history of ever, turning her gaze into something that would leave men and gods alike as stone statues. It is actually important to note here, and I found this really interesting, that this was actually the basis for a lot of fairy tales that involved the main female protagonist having something important to her character removed by the evil female antagonist. Think Rapunzel losing her hair in the Disney version. Or imagine the Grimm Brothers fairy tale where the Little Mermaid lost her voice, giving it to the sea witch. Okay, but have you seen the Disney version of Rapunzel? Because she volun she semi-voluntarily tangled. He cuts her hair off because it's to save I meant like the his, original version. It's to save her life. Right. Okay. I was going to say tangled doesn't go like that. <laughs> Whatever. Fearful of the pain that she would cause, in the retelling of this story, Medusa would simply retreat to a dark cave where she would hide, forever alone to avoid hurting other living creatures. She herself had no interest in causing harm to anyone. The knowledge of this ugly weapon, however, was enough to convince many quote-unquote heroes to seek her out and attempt to take her life to use her power for their own gain. One of those men would be successful. Perseus, son of Zeus. He, with a polished shield as to not see the monster's face, would attack and kill Medusa in her sleep, removing her head as a trophy. Another origin story for Medusa begins with her already being born as the youngest Gorgon sister, as mentioned by Alyssa. She was the only mortal Gorgon, the smallest and the most beautiful of her siblings, although in this version she was much less kind and was often depicted as a bloodthirsty monster. The Gorgons in this version of the story were said to have hair of serpents, scales, and wings atop their back, long winding teeth, long winding tongues, and venomous teeth have also been mentioned in these stories. Medusa would again be tracked and killed by Perseus inside the cave at the request of a king. Her siblings would be there, of course, and they would seek revenge. They would hunt Perseus and stalk him through the cave, nearly catching him before Athena intervened and saved him. For some reason, Athena just really did not like Medusa. It was said the two surviving sisters cried so loud and so hard that the earth shaked and a chill would creep into the bones. I told you, she had bellowing cries. You did. Perseus would not act alone, however. The Gorgon were powerful creatures, primordial in nature and so dangerous even the gods refused to hunt them. Perseus, in all versions of the story, would have to use the power of Athena's shield, which was a gift from Zeus, as well as Hermes' winged boots and the helm of invisibility provided to him by Hades, god of the underworld, to even have a chance in this mission. I also found it interesting that in the different versions of the retelling of this story, Hades' helmet actually changes from being either an actual helmet or like just like hat. just like a hat. Yeah. yeah. So me being the person I am, I see like like an army helmet in one version, but like I don't know a fedora in the other. I don't know why. Even after death, Medusa was still so powerful a force that her decapitated head would be carried by Perseus in a special bag called a kibis. 
This was used to contain even a fraction of her power. He would later gift the head to Athena, who would fashion the trophy on her shield for later use. After hearing the wailed cries of the Gorgon, Athena would be inspired to create the flute. When she attempted to play this new instrument, however, her reflection would become Gorgon-like, showing a disfigured and scaled face, horrible teeth and eyes, and that snake-like hair. She mimicked their cries perfectly, but at a cost to the ears of brass lines ever since. Still another- What, what do you have against flutes? I was a band kid, man. <laughs> Still another tale states that Medusa was pregnant during her slaying, except her little babies would not live in her tummy, they would live in her neck, which is just... Ugh. And after Perseus decapitated her and stole her head, he left right then and there, without even as much as checking the body. Medusa's lifeless corpse would spring two children. This is ancient Greece, so one child was human and one child was not. The human child would be named Chrysor, meaning he who bears the golden sword if translated, and he never appears in any legends afterwards. He's just born, has a cool name, and nothing That's else. That's it. <laughs> no background information, no cool stories, just gone. Her other child would be Pegasus, the immortal winged horse. Pegasus would chariot Zeus across the skies later in life, but would also assist the hero Belperion, he held a special power as well, much as his father, and wherever his hooves touched, a well or a spring would just randomly be formed. It's believed that Pegasus created two springs, one in Hippocrene and one on Mount Halakion. Medusa's hands were said to be solid bronze, her wings made of gold. She had boar tusks in one version of the story in addition to her fangs, and allegedly lived on the island of Serapidon. In modern culture, the Medusa is often used as a symbol by women who were victimized by men in their lives. The motive is used as a show that victims should never be blamed for the things that happened to them. The once terrible visage of snaked hair, evil eyes, and sharp fangs have became a symbol of strength and power. It's also common in a modern world for people to view the snakes in the horrible appearance not as a punishment from Athena, but as a precaution a way to deter the men and gods that had wronged her, as so many men and gods in Greek tales did. This is not an accepted canon of the story, however, seeing as how so many Greek stories involved the victimization of women overall. Today is October 7th, and we've got three historical events for you that would occur on this day. In 1492, Christopher Columbus just missed Florida because he changed his course to, again, reiterate, like we did in our episode about Leif Erikson, that Christopher Columbus did not land in fucking America. I wonder why he changed course. I don't know. I bet he saw Florida and was just like, oh, nope, not there. <laughs> nope. I wonder if Florida was as bad back then. It had to be. Malaria, all those swamps, it had to be so much worse than it is today. In 1571, the Battle of Lepanto 
when the Holy League of Southern European Nations, Jesus Christ, what a name, destroyed the Ottoman Empire's naval fleet, causing a very significant loss off of the coast of Western Greece. And in 1944, neither of us knew this. I'm, I'm amazed by this. I took a whole class on this, and I'm kind of upset that we didn't talk about it. I'm going to have to tell... That's a call my Holocaust I'm teacher. Gonna, I'm going to have to call Amy and yell at her for not telling me this, because I bet she doesn't even know that. So in 1944, there was an uprising at the Auschwitz-Birkenau concentration camp where Jews burned down one of the crematoriums. One of... So they all started... It was like a whole thing. So these women were working in the gunpowder munitions factory thing at the camp. And they were like sneaking out small amounts of gunpowder. They would give it to the men. The men would use sardine cans and basically make like mini homemade grenades. And so they were like stockpiling it and hiding them places everywhere, right? And one day, October 7th, 1940 sort of one by one all these different sections would just start uprising so I think there were four different crematorium sections because they all knew that they were going to die because you worked there right and they would bring people in and essentially the job of most of these workers was to clear out the dead bodies from the gas chambers that was their job and so obviously they knew eventually they would be next so they created an uprising from what I found, the only uh, Nazi who was actually killed in this was one guard who was disarmed and just stuffed into an oven, being burned alive. Good. He was one of the most um, brutal guards at the concentration camp, and so they went after him. Uh, 250 Jews died. A lot of them were shot execution style, as they like to do. And then the sort of main leaders were these four women and I want to say their last names so badly, but I know I can't say all of them. So we have Ella Gardner, uh, Rosa Robota, and... Regina... Safferstein? Safferstein? Yeah. And Esther... Wachblum? Would that be close? Wach... Wachblum? Yeah, I'm going to say it's Wachblum. Uh, they were all... Um, like tortured to get names out of them and all of the names that they gave were people that they had already killed so they didn't hurt anybody else and then they were hanged uh in front of everybody and rosa's last words she screamed out were like um stand up and be strong i'm amazed i i've never learned this me either you know that would make an amazing movie it would because the entire time i was in school even in college today, I've always learned that, like, they just kind of took it because were, they couldn't do anything. There were even people outside of the camp who were, um, through the fences, giving these people small knives and yeah. stuff that they could hide. Yeah, I've al I was always told that, you know, they didn't fight back because they couldn't. They were too weak. They were too overworked. And then here are just four badass women who were like, no, fuck it. We're going to blow shit up. We're going to burn shit down. They weren't as weak as you would expect someone to be in that situation, like most of the people were, because they were part of that like special group where they got, quote, special privileges for working. Right. There's a certain name for it, but I can't remember what it was. Trustees, basically. Basically. It's amazing. 
It's amazing. Yeah, so shout out to the um, Holocaust Museum website for having this information. Check it out. You know, I, I was even there and I don't remember that. Like, not there, not at Auschwitz. No, not in this uprising. No, the museum. Yes, the museum. I don't need people thinking I'm mortal on the podcast, too. <laughs> so much for tuning into this week's episode of Strange History. This was our first part in our Monsters and Men series. I know this episode wasn't, you know, super scary, but we got to start somewhere, right? I thought it would be cool to learn more about Gorgons, uh, which, like I mentioned before, is a monster we all know, but one we might not know all about. Um, our next episode, I promise, will get darker and more strange, so be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. That's at strange for the number four history, so you can stay up to date on all things strange and spooky. Cute. You can also follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, Amazon, or really wherever your ears are listening. And of course, always enjoy the strange, weird things that make us us. Thank you.